A very, very warm welcome to the very first edition of Bright Spark, a podcast shedding light on energy network innovation and the work of Ofgem's Strategic Innovation Fund. We've got 28 years to decarbonise the UK's energy systems. More renewable generation, more wind and solar, critical to allowing us to get to that zero carbon objective that we all have. You can't have an energy system without the energy networks. You can't get electricity without the energy networks. You can't heat your home or your business without the energy networks. They are the almost silent but most significant part of the energy system. We've really only just scratched the surface of what we need to do. What is the art of the possible? How far can this be taken? My name is Matt Hastings. I work at Innovate UK, where we're partnering with the energy regulator Ofgem to deliver the Strategic Innovation Fund. This series is all about the huge challenge and massive opportunity that transforming our energy networks will have and how this fund will really help deliver benefits to consumers. We'll get into that in more detail soon. But because this is our very first episode, I wanted to start with a real basic primer on the exciting work we're doing, and particularly the opportunities on offer to those that want to get involved. We want the bravest and most ambitious businesses, entrepreneurs, innovators and investors to get stuck in, alongside the energy networks, in this push to innovate, both for net zero and for the consumer. What is the Strategic Innovation Fund? Well, it's a £450 million network innovation fund. That means it's really focused on electricity networks and the gas networks that bring heat and electricity to your homes. We've set it up in a completely new way, whereby we are very challenge-led. And what challenge-led means is that at the beginning of each year, we try and set three or four key strategic challenges which are going to really move the dial in terms of energy networks. So this year we've set a heat challenge, a data and digitalization challenge, a zero emission transport challenge and a whole system integration challenge which is basically how all of this different stuff comes together. And we're really trying to encourage high risk, ambitious, big, bold ideas that can fail, but they fail at 150K. We're really trying to zone in as we move through this process to make these sort of high risk projects into low risk products and services. That's really what we're trying to transition into. So that is really what the Strategic Innovation Fund is. It also has two key strategic objectives. The first one is to deliver net zero at lowest cost to consumers. So that's me, you, everyone who pays an electricity or a gas bill. But the second phase is really to try and create what we're calling the UK Silicon Valley of energy. What that means is making the UK the best place in the world to be an energy consumer. That means you'll get the best products, you'll get the best services, you'll have the most cost-effective kind of rates potentially. And crucially, you will hopefully uh, get a lot more value out of the energy system than simply heat and light. 
but it also means making the UK the best place in the world to run an energy business. So whether you're a startup, whether you're a scale-up, whether you're an existing business, we're hoping to really put rocket boosters onto the UK business community to help them to grow and scale nationally, but also internationally. And that means working with a lot of international partners as well, helping to bring those businesses into the UK so that they see the UK as the place to demonstrate their capability. So that's got us off to a flying start, but it really is just that, a start with much more to come. This series will take us deep into energy network innovation. We'll meet the people leading the most exciting projects. We'll flag up where the most interesting opportunities are. And we'll take time to celebrate and showcase those people and teams who are already striding ahead, making big, important changes in this critical energy network space. And don't panic. It's not just going to be me droning on. Each episode, I'll share the stage with a brilliant member of our Innovate UK team, running the Strategic Innovation Fund for Ofgem, each stepping up in turn to steer us through an aspect of this fascinating work. It's time to introduce the first one of those right now. Right, let's get into this. Now the real excitement starts. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by my fellow co-presenter and colleague, Christine Koenig. Hello, Chris. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Extremely well. Chris, do you want to just start maybe giving a quick introduction to yourself and your role and a bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. I am Matt's Programme Manager on the Strategic Innovation Fund Programme, as led by Ofgem. I am an electrical engineer by trade. When I had the opportunity to come on board with uh, this new programme, I just couldn't resist, really. It's too exciting, isn't it? That's the problem. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. And look, thanks very much for joining us today, Chris. I think really keen, you know, in this first very exciting episode of our new podcast series, just to get underneath the skin, really, of energy network innovation and why we're doing what we're doing. And I wonder maybe if I could just start by asking you a quick question in terms of what is energy network innovation and how does it work? Why is it here? What's it all about? That's a really good question, Matt. And it's one that certainly um, a a number of people have struggled to kind of get their heads around because what we're not talking about is just energy innovation. There's loads of fantastic stuff that's happening across the whole energy innovation space, but specifically The Strategic Innovation Fund is looking at the network side of that innovation. So imagine, if you will, you're um, a local authority, for example, you want to roll out a fleet of electric vehicles, you know, or or maybe perhaps even looking at hydrogenizing your your, your kind of more bus fleets or HGVs or something within the transport space. But to do that, you require, you know, a huge amount of electricity to come to your particular area. Um, It needs to be connected, it needs to be controlled, um, and it needs to be available at the times that you need it. Now, as we all know, we're all connected by this amazing network of pipes and wires across the UK, but there are pinch points. As we're trying to move over to renewable energy, we don't necessarily have the availability of that renewable energy exactly when we need it, whether the sun isn't shining at that particular time or the wind isn't blowing in the right direction. You know, we have this sort of need for flexibility within our grid. So a part of network innovation is looking at that. How do we, so we have a particular issue, 
with regards to requiring a new form of, you know, carbon free way of of um, powering transport systems. But how do we tally that up with the demand and the need and the generation potential of low carbon energy coming up the other side? So this network innovation is is the bit that happens in the middle. It's the magic that makes these things work. I think we should quote you on that, Chris, the magic that makes these things work. I think that's spot on. And it, it, I find it quite interesting. I don't know if you're the same that, you know, energy networks, like as a customer, whether you're a domestic customer, whether you're a business customer, more so on the business side of things where let's say you want to increase the amount of capacity that you've got, you want to build a new factory or whatever, you know, then you've got a relationship with you know a, a part of the energy network but as a domestic customer as a householder you know you tend not to have much of a relationship with your network unless let's say there's been a bad storm and you know some infrastructure's blown down you've got a tree across a line for example you've had a power cut then you kind of get these heroes who arrive to reconnect your electricity or indeed if you smell a gas leak or whatever then you kind of hear from your energy network but I think what's so exciting about this program is we're really starting to find out what it is that makes the networks kind of tick and how they're going to need to tick for the future. And exactly like you say, it's got massive high penetration of electric vehicles coming around the corner. We're completely electrifying a lot of the kind of heating, sort of whether it's through heat pumps or whatever it may be. And this big sort of hydrogen transition, moving to a sort of hydrogen grid and trying to re-inject and blend hydrogen with the existing gas sort of network. So I think a lot of this is, I suppose, maybe just trying to bring the networks to life a little bit for a lot of people, do you think? Yeah, I think it's tying all these things together. It's such a massive strategic piece, mm. isn't it? I mean, you think of all of the control and the you know just the planning side of things you know how do you actually get to net zero it's not just gadgets and gizmos i mean we've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty it's it's pulling everything together in the right direction at the right time and in the right way it's a massive movement piece of just coordination across a huge amount of players and stakeholders from everything from, you know, Mrs. Jones next door um, who needs to install a heat pump because, you know, her gas boilers come to the end of its time and the government are, are, you know, sort of leading us towards the electrification of heat. It's the whole supply chain that goes from that all the way up to, you know, how do we connect offshore wind in a better way to make sure that we aren't losing energy, you know, under the seabed. It's just such a massive scale of of whole things. You are listening to BrightSpark, a new podcast series from the Innovate UK team, managing the Strategic Innovation Fund for the UK Energy Regulator Ofgem. Thanks for being with us. To find out more about the Strategic Innovation Fund, check out the link in the episode description on your podcast player, or just Google Ofgem SIF. That's Ofgem and the letters S-I-F. We've been hearing from Innovate UK's Matt Hastings. I'm Chris Kunick. I'm a programme manager at the Strategic Innovation Fund. Shortly, we'll bring in some of our Ofgem colleagues to find out what excites them about the potential of the SIF. But if there's one thing this Bright Spark series is going to be about, it's bringing you the voices of innovators, the people and teams across the UK doing exciting things, working to drive energy network innovation for consumers, for net zero, and to push the UK ever closer to that key goal of becoming the Silicon Valley of energy. 
I'm Rob Saunders, Challenge Director for Prospering from the Energy Revolution Programme and I'm here at Redbridge Park and Ride in Oxford, the site of a new supercharging hub which is part of Energy Superhub Oxford. And I'm here with Tim Rose. Tim, what's your role? Uh, hi Rob, yeah, I'm the project manager for the, this project, the Energy Superhub uh, Oxford project. I work for a company called Pivot Power. Um, we're the lead partner in this project. Uh, it's a really exciting project, um, looking at ways of integrating, uh, bringing together electrification of power, transport and heat to help us all on the journey to net zero. It's great to see it starting to go up. We can see the construction teams starting to build the canopy over the supercharging hub as we speak. And just down the road from here is a, a huge hybrid battery at the point where it connects to the national grid. Can you talk a bit more about that battery and the innovation in it, Tim? Yeah, the battery is, uh, as you say, very exciting. It's a, it's a very large battery, 50 megawatt battery, and that means it can provide power to about 11,000 homes for, for an hour. But it, it's unique in a number of ways, first of its kind. Firstly, because it's the first battery to be connected directly to National Grid's overhead transmission network, the, the main lines we see running up and down the country. Uh, and, and also, it's the first of its type, you mentioned the hybrid battery, um, and that means it's a combination of two different chemistries. Firstly, the lithium iron chemistry that we're all familiar with in our, in our phones and, and computers, but also something called vanadium flow technology. And this is a completely different tech chemistry. Uh, and by combining these two types of chemistry, we hope to be able to extend the life of the overall battery and that'll improve the economics. So it really is the first of its kind in lots of areas. And, and we've been uh, learning about working with the national grid as well. Uh, lots of different uh, relational sort of uh, challenges and, and, and benefits that were coming out of that. It was a really interesting project um, and I think it would be remiss of us not to mention the smart aspects as well, wouldn't it? So this battery is being controlled by an artificial intelligence system, I believe. Absolutely, that's, that's right. So a system that's been developed by a, a company, a startup company here in Oxford called Habitat Energy, absolutely artificial intelligence, machine learning based system that's going to control the trading of the battery, uh, how it and when it decides to trade on which markets in the in the energy system, and also when it provides services to the national grid. And those are really important because that's all about helping stabilize the grid to allow us to bring more renewable generation, more wind and solar onto the mix. Uh, and that's critical to allowing us to get to that zero carbon objective that we all have. We hope that's going to be a real opportunity to, um, to show some benefits. Uh, beyond Oxford, we've got another 35 of these projects that we're hoping to, to build. Uh, we're already building the first two of those. So real benefits coming out of this project already. Uh, uh, Oxford has helped us uh, promote and, and progress that program of, uh, of sites. So we really do think that can make quite a substantial impact up and down the country. Thanks to Rob Saunders, one of my colleagues here at Innovate UK who leads the Prospering from the Energy Revolution programme, focusing on smart local energy systems. Thanks also to Pivot Power's Tim Rose. I loved hearing that. It's just one example of one type of innovation, but it illustrates in practice a lot of things that we've found are vital when it comes to driving innovation in energy networks. You've got collaborative partnerships working, people getting out of their silos to solve problems. You've got cutting edge technology, incredible new quick charging batteries, but also clever thinking about hybridisation, combinations of technologies, in this case two battery types used in parallel to offset each other's weaknesses and shortcomings. You've also got the use of artificial intelligence to make those decisions quickly and efficiently. 
It's also a great real-world example of local partners, businesses and academic institutions coming together, not just with their own area and community in mind, but with ambition to scale up and spin out and to place similar systems in locations around the UK and who knows, in time, even around the world. Hi Chris, I'm Francis Mosley. I'm a Senior Innovation and Systems Engineer at Ofgem. I'm Graham Barton. I work in the Ofgem Network Price Control team. I'm a Senior Manager leading on the policy. Why do you think we need energy network innovation? It's not going to happen on its own. Why do we need to intervene with programmes like the Strategic Innovation Fund? I find this a really interesting part of how we're going to get to net zero, actually. If we start from the yeah the very big picture side of things, it's absolutely essential to find new ways of doing things to decarbonise our energy system. For instance, the UK Parliament declared a state of emergency in May 2019. It's pretty urgent, the, the situation at the moment. We've got 28 years left to, to decarbonise um, the UK's energy system. So we've made some like really good progress in that we've roughly halved our greenhouse gas emissions since 1990. And innovation's been essential in this and it's enabled that decarbonisation mainly through changing the way we generate electricity and then the rise of renewable power. But we've got some quite big challenges ahead in the sense that we've we've got the successes in power, but we've now got to tackle the heat and, and transport sectors. It's really critical for us to, to find those innovations that are going to help us decarbonise. Absolutely. And some might say, you know, we've already that 50% reduction that's that's almost the low-hanging fruit the next 50 percent is going to be really really difficult for us to work our way through and bringing on you know heat transport the full electrification it's just such a massive challenge it's going to you know change significantly the way our energy infrastructure works the thing that really excites me is this sort of i'm always an optimist uh, when i think of of 2050 and maybe I'm a bit ridiculous for being that way, but but I sort of think that it will be it will be a much better future uh, energy system for consumers, and part of that's going to be driven through um, consumers participating more in the energy system. So, you know, if we move to electric vehicles, is there potential there to not only use your electric vehicle for transport, but can you hook it into your home energy system? Can you? get energy when uh, electricity is cheaper and then use it to power your house and energy is more expensive? Can you lower the bills that way and have a bit of a closer relationship to the energy you're consuming? I suppose another area that's really close to my heart is community energy because, again, this is this is just a sort of exciting area of the energy transition where where local communities have like banded together to, to create solar projects, wind projects, again, lowering the, the prices for, for the local area and, and sort of increasing that local local pride as well. Yeah, I think community energy has, has got a massive role to, to play, you know, having everyone kind of on board and, and, you know, being a part of something that, you know, traditionally has been a bit more arm's length. You know, people don't think about the pipes and the wires. They just think about, you know, what's what's my bill going to be at the end of the month? So shifting that relationship between consumers and the energy networks is going to be a real kind of critical part of 
getting community support with uh, with projects, etc. And I think that, you know, we need to look at the role of the innovators. And there's a whole host of innovative ideas out there, whether they come from a small community group or whether they come from, you know, a startup in the tech sector. Yeah. Graham, what would you say really is, is the role of innovators in SIF? Yeah, the role of the innovator is really important. So, so I see their, their role is threefold, I think. So it is working with, working, working with and partnering with the networks to deliver projects. Networks are the, the ones who are the, the centre of the energy transition. They're the ones who own and operate the pipes and wires which transport gas and electricity around the country. But the innovators are the ones who bring the new ideas to those entities and help to test new innovative products. That means that a lot of the innovators will be bringing these new ideas to the networks and taking forward the projects with those networks. Getting those third-party creative ideas, that's really essential to um, getting us to net zero. But but zooming out, I think traditionally one of the main strengths of the UK has been we've got some of the highest R&D output in the world. I mean, especially relative to our country's size. But one of the common issues with all that is the is that we sort of st- sometimes struggle to commercialize that r&d i think america's obviously got this uh this sort of very strong example in silicon valley where they they sort of take these ideas commercialize them create things like the big tech giants innovations really key in taking those those research and development ideas and then translating them into into the kind of business as usual the companies can use and that we can use as a nation the SIF's going to play a really key part in that, in, in sort of translating some of the stuff that's coming out of universities, some of the new ideas into um, innovation projects and getting it into the energy system business as usual as soon as possible. Yeah, we, we, we need to be acting now in order to, to get it in train for, for 2050 and making that change, don't we? And I think that's a really interesting point, you know, given the international example there, the SIF is quite unique, or the UK uh, as as a, a whole is quite unique with regards to the investment into network innovation. That that doesn't really happen in many other countries around the world. So we've got this real opportunity to create that kind of UK Silicon Valley for energy. It's not just of benefit to the innovators who are involved in the program, you know, and obviously you know commercialising their technology, their processes, um, their approaches outside of, um, you know, the UK networks, but also, uh, you know, the opportunities internationally. And all of this just adds more and more value and more and more benefit to our consumers, doesn't it, Graham? Yeah, exactly, Chris. And, and that's often main interest. It's just to protect the interest of existing and future consumers. So our ultimate aim is to deliver net zero at lowest cost to consumer. So that ultimately means we hope the strategic innovation firm delivers reduced operational costs running the network. It delivers reduced environmental damage. The networks are have a lower carbon footprint and ultimately enables the energy system transition to happen. And those are massive consumer benefits that will take some time to realise, but by enabling projects to get off the ground via this new funding mechanism, we really do hope that this changing change of approach amplifies those benefits which we've had compared to previous innovation funds. So again, we are a world leader in research and development. Although as a nation, we emit 
globally quite a small percentage of greenhouse gas emissions. I think we make up something like 1% of, of worldwide emissions. But the technologies and the strategies that we're going to develop here through the Strategic Innovation Fund, they can be used by other nations to decarbonize their economies. And that's really going to position the UK as a, as a world leader in this in this area. And I think just an, another sort of final point which interests me is using innovation to support the leveling up agenda. So often the, the sort of projects that, that are funded through energy networks are in quite disparate geographical areas of a country. And, you know, if you can strategically build energy innovation capacity, you can you can help um, regions that are currently lagging in economic performance and really sort of pull them into sort of comparable performance with other regions across the UK. And that coordination point is key. You know, we, we kind of always refer to holistic approaches and energy transitions and the whole systems approach. But to do all of that, you need everyone at the table. You know, we can't just work in silos and say, OK, this is this is only a gas problem or this is only an electric problem. This is a transmission problem or a distribution. It's 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 everybody's problem. And I think, you know, what's been really lovely to see in the Strategic Innovation Fund so far is is the willingness and the appetite for the networks to collaboratively work together on on projects. You know, we've got one project that's come through that I think has got five different networks across electricity, gas, distribution and transmission all involved looking at the same problem. And I think it's when we start to get that kind of collaborative approach to say this is this is bigger than just one network. This is a you know a whole infrastructure problem that we need to tackle then then actually we might start to get so, the sorts of solutions that that can come out and as you said move into business as usual and and um, make those significant changes yeah uh, one of the trends i've noticed in my time working in government has been this um this isn't a proper word but desilification when it comes to net zero i think many departments have in in the past maybe had a bit too much of a of a sort of lens on exactly what comes under their jurisdiction and leaving other areas for for other departments but when it comes to net zero as you say it's a shared problem there's mechanisms within government to to look at this from a sort of holistic point of view and i think the strategic innovation fund again is is really sort of linked into all those all those different areas so it's very closely linked with the net zero innovation board which brings together some of the key departments that are tackling net zero like bays and, and defra so yeah again just really encouraged to see uh, this sort of wider systems view across across the sif yeah and i guess that's one of the reasons why ofgem and innovate uk are working together in the first place it's that whole alignment piece and you know there is so much going on in the energy innovation landscape so thank you so much francis and graham for speaking to us today it's been really interesting um really great uh, insights from ofgem a lot of people don't necessarily understand and and uh, appreciate what you guys do so thank you very much for for joining us today yeah no problem it's been a pleasure yeah my pleasure thanks very much chris francis mosley and graham barton we are coming to the end of this first episode of Bright Spark. I hope you've enjoyed being with us. There's just time to bring back Mac Hastings for a final catch up, focused on why all this really matters, why we need people in the energy sector and beyond pulling together to drive energy network innovation right now. We can do this right, Chris. We got this. It's a it's a, it's a big mountain to climb, isn't it, Matt? There's just 
so much to be done, but it's such an exciting place to be. And I'm just so pleased to be involved in it and see innovation at this scale. It's completely unprecedented. I don't think there's another energy network kind of internationally in, in any other country that A, invests this much in innovation and B, really tries to to hone in on, on those kind of real kind of specific strategic issues that will really kind of open the networks up and make them just so much more accessible, usable and, you know, affordable for, for everybody. The government's net zero carbon target by 2050 is really necessitating a completely new and urgent approach to how we're going to reduce emissions as a country, as a world, but crucially within our world, within the energy networks themselves. We need to do 60% of that reduction in the next 10 years, otherwise we will not hit that 2050 carbon target. And that in the energy networks is hard to kind of communicate in words just how significant that is 60% in the next 10 years when a lot of the low hanging fruit has kind of been done already. So that's why we need innovation is to really zone in on the kinds of things that we need to do differently in order for us to make a meaningful impact on both the emissions targets, but also on, on consumers bills. And I think most people, but not everyone, really understands just how critical the role of the energy networks are. They're those organisations who you tend not to hear about all the time unless there is a big storm and there's some sort of press and PR around that. But actually, you can't have an energy system without the energy networks. You know, you can't get electricity without the energy networks. You can't heat your home or your business without the energy networks. They are probably the almost silent but most significant part of the energy system. And without them, we just can't do all of the stuff that we need to do. And as consumers, we obviously pay for things like the Strategic Innovation Fund on our bills, as we do for paying for you know other environmental subsidies and other sort of aspects that make up the bill. And I think I, I personally just feel like we are so responsible for delivering value to those consumers. We've got to deliver for the climate, but we've got to deliver for consumers as well. And if we can help consumers to realise the dividends of their investment into these types of funds, you know, in the shape of savings on their bills, or indeed in kind of a whole new type of products and services that are going to really make their lives easier, then I think we would have done our job. Absolutely. And it, it is an investment, isn't it? And and it really needs to deliver that value, whether that value be here and now savings in an energy bill or whether that be paving the way. So in sort of like that 10 year time, when we hit 2030 and these, you know, certain targets really do need to start being met in earnest, if we're going to have any chance of reaching net zero and, and sort of mitigating the climate change issues, we need to really see what that route looks like and how how that's going to impact consumers of all scale from domestic to commercial industrial and you know everyone else who's uh, connected into the grid you know when we look back 10 years plus there's been a lot of investment in network innovation and we're taking all of those learnings from what was done previously 
and really shaping them up into this incredibly dynamic and new approach to network innovation, which is the Strategic Innovation Fund. And we're doing things which have never been done before, which is kind of kind of cool. It's exciting. It's really exciting. And I think, you know, we are kind of like standing on the shoulders of giants. There's been some fantastic stuff, as you said, Matt, that has happened before. But we've really only just scratched the surface of what we need to do to get where we need to be. And I think that for me is one of the more exciting parts of the program is to actually, you know, what is the art of the possible? How far can this be taken? And what do we need to do? How many, you know, we've been talking before about, you know, the sorts of uh, organizations that, that might be involved in delivering the projects for the Strategic Innovation Fund. We're really keen to sort of open the net as wide as possible that there may be some fantastic organisations that that are in the defence space or, you know, aerospace or, you know, have developed something amazing for NASA that works on a spaceship that orbits the sun, but actually reusing that technology, that, that approach for the energy systems may suddenly be a complete game changer on how things work and, and how efficient we are and, you know, how accommodating we can be to, to, to these future changes. This is the Bright Spark podcast from Innovate UK, working with Ofgem. We have reached the end of episode one. I hope you've enjoyed being with us. My name's Matt Hastings. Huge thanks to Chris Kunick, who's done a brilliant job of opening up this big conversation and getting the ball rolling on all of these exciting themes. I hope it's clear that we are opening this whole thing up. We want to bring in as many people as possible, technologists, entrepreneurs, academics, businesses, investors, anyone and everyone who can help us make these necessary innovations for consumers, for net zero, and for driving us towards this vision for the Silicon Valley of energy. We've only touched a little on the mechanism of the SIF, how people get together to pitch ideas and get their projects funded, and how these projects can grow and move towards commercial reality. That's where we're going next time, in episode two of Bright Spark. I'll be joined by another brilliant member of the team, this time David Richardson, our head of innovation. As we're recording this, the first tranche of SIF money has just been allocated to a total of 40 exciting projects. David and other members of the team are going to be taking us through some of them and what they could mean for the future of the energy networks. To find out more about the Strategic Innovation Fund and how you might want to get involved, go to offgem.gov.uk forward slash SIF. We've also put that link in the episode description. Go check it out. There are also videos from all 40 projects on YouTube. They're only one minute long. Search Strategic Innovation Fund to find them. Bright Spark is a bespoken media production for Innovate UK, working in partnership with Ofgem. Looking forward to seeing you next time.